<laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joel, have you seen that movie? He's in the movie, Joe. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. At our 670 of the score studios, Jordan Malley. Shout out to Jordan Malley. Did Matt Peck get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't. No, no. Talk to D Rose. Yeah, you got, he's going to make, make Matt, it happen. And Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best hour of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast. Locked on Bulls, five days a week. Locked on Bulls starts now. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. You guys have done an awesome job with leaving your texts, your thoughts, your questions uh, in voicemail or text form. So continue to do that as we flow into the weekend and we'll get uh, all of those answered the best we can on next week's podcast. Uh, And if you didn't listen to our mailbag yesterday, go back and listen to that. That was about an hour long and it was fantastic. Played probably about a half a dozen voicemails or so. So it's great conversation and an hour long podcast for you. Uh, But today's episode and welcome into Locked on Bulls. Matt, how are you? And I'm excited to talk about some old Bulls stuff, but yet it's kind of relevant information now and some interesting storylines outside of the actual GM and head of basketball operations search that's been going on. But what's going on, Matt? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? I hope everybody's having a good Thursday. Hope everybody's uh, managing to stay sane as we are on week whatever of the nationwide lockdown. Um yeah, I'm excited to talk about some of these things that uh, we're talking about on today's show. Um, not only uh, will we touch on, you know, Jordan making his appearance on Good Morning America to talk about the last dance, which I can't believe is today's Thursday. So what? What do we got? Three days? Three days away? Three days. Three days until the first two episodes of The Last Dance. I'm freaking out. I'm sure you are, too. And uh, and yeah, the, the latest news uh, and, and quotes from... MJ's amazing partner in crime, Scotty Pippen, for all six of those title seasons, who we heard from our pal Joe Cali over at the Sun-Times like a month or so ago. And it was a very like understated headline, kind of like adding in to something else he was talking about, that Scotty was no longer officially tied to the team as an ambassador or advisor. And we got a whole lot more on that subject just yesterday. I got fired this year. Had his number 33, <laughs> jersey 33, retired by the Chicago Bulls. And you are st- you're an ambassador for the Bulls, is that right? I was. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still want to associate with them or not? I got fired this year. <laughs> Whoa! Do we know about that? Yeah, I didn't really want it to be out in the public, but... I'm no longer employed by the Bulls. Okay, okay. Well, Probably is a good thing, right? Yeah, you're free, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, honestly. I like, to, I like to associate myself with winning. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Damn. Well, now that you mention it, I was watching The Jump today on ESPN, which is a spectacular show. Hopefully, y'all watch. And uh, they were debating the Bulls. And Michael Wilbon was saying, well, you can't expect them to win this year because their entire front court is injured. And you had an interesting response to, to that contention. 
What'd you say? I don't know half the team. I'll tell you. You said, I don't really think they're legitimate NBA starters anyway. Yes, I, I did say that. I, I do feel like the talent level, maybe Zach Levine, but I feel like the talent level that the Bulls have right now are below what it needs to be in the NBA. When, and I, I do feel like that they, they have some young players that are up and coming, so I'm not really knocking those players, but I think they got to get more talent, some free agents, if they're going to be able to try to compete, period, night in and night out. So a little context on that. That's from Thuzio, live and unfiltered. That was at All-Star Weekend this year. And so that's going back to middle of February. And the podcast was just released. But like you were saying, Matt, the story from Cowley, which originated, what, I think March 12th, so the middle of March, talking about how quietly Scottie Pippen is no longer an ambassador. The weird thing is, is he's still listed in the Bulls directory. Uh, and Arturis Karnasovas is already updated in their directory, too. So it's not like they just haven't updated it at all. Uh, so that's a little bit bizarre to me. But uh, some some shots fired by Scottie on All-Star Weekend, not just on the jump like we've originally heard. Yeah, and I think, uh, so obviously, first thought is, it is hilarious to me that the Bulls haven't fixed their staff directory portion of their website. As you said, AK is listed as the new vice president of basketball ops. Scotty's name is still there next to Horace's and Tony's as special advisors to president COO Michael Reinsdorf. I I mean, how, how do you fix the website in that sense? But like Scotty was fired or maybe, you know, was relieved of his duties, however they want to call it. He said he was fired. Uh, months ago, like before the season began is the way that Scotty describes it. Like they were negotiating for him to remain on as a special advisor, which is a, you know, employee contract before the 1920 season. They couldn't come to terms. They couldn't come to an agreement on number of commitments that, that Scotty would commit to and how much he would be paid for said commitments. So they fired him. That to me, I is got like, fired okay, this year. Like I, I understand if there is a, a differentiation between what the Bulls were asking of him and how much he thought he should be compensated. And of course, you know, Scotty's been on the jump a lot recently, which is not in Chicago. Um, and I think that probably pays him more than the Bulls would pay him to be an ambassador, an advisor, a, a, a glorified, hey, look, remember this this guy from the good old days to make appearances. Like, you know, we, um, me and Big Dave, my buddy from Outsiders, went to, like, the Bulls annual ping pong charity event thing downtown Chicago last year, and Scotty was at that with Horace and some of the old guys from the old days, as well as a lot of the, the current players on the current team. So, to me, it's interesting because it's like even after Scotty – retired and is no longer playing he and the bulls are still having disputes over sums of money because that other than winning championships that is what defines scotty's career as a bull right that is true and and can you really i guess i can't i can't really blame the bulls for saying all right see you later scotty and didn't make a big deal of it either because it's probably tough for him to think about it the jump films in la Uh, Out in California, he lives out in California full time. So the idea of him coming and having to travel back to Chicago constantly uh, to do events or uh, whatever else he was doing, I I highly doubt he had any say at all in basketball 
operations or anything like that. At maybe he he had the ear of somebody once in a while, but um, more than more or less, just an opinion, another opinion. It was more about probably doing these events or having to go and you know sort of be the face, and that's what an ambassador was supposed to be. It would be easier. There's a lot of bulls that still live in the area, like you had mentioned, Horace Grant. Horace Grant does uh, TV stuff as well, and he lives in the Chicago area, so probably a lot easier for him to do that. So I can kind of understand that, but uh, I find it funny because we we I thought originally that the jump comments he made was the comments that got him axed, like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. But it turns right. out that that was actually after he had been relieved of his duties. So there was probably a little bit of animosity or anger there. Yeah, I think it's important context. Uh, and, and fans can form their own opinions, whether they want to take the side of, of Bulls ownership or take Scotty's side on this. I've already seen a handful of people on Twitter who were like, yeah, dude, screw Scotty. You know, he wanted more money. He wasn't doing a whole lot as an ambassador for the team anyway. Um, and look, I think that's a bit of a harsh take, but... He certainly has not been around all that much. You know, he sits courtside sometimes. Um, and certainly when the Bulls were relevant, he was a lot more willing to be around and be involved. But that's the context that you just mentioned that I think is important. We thought when at the time he made those comments All-Star Weekend on the jump that he still was an ambassador of the team. And I'm pretty sure you and I were sitting here on this podcast at the time saying, can you believe that this guy who won six titles for your organization, is out there on national TV shows just raking you, running your <laughs> reputation through right. the mud. Like, this is a dude who is still employed by your organization as an ambassador for your organization, and he's on national TV telling the whole country your team fucking sucks. I was like... That's, just, that, like, that's what we couldn't believe about that. Now, as you said, maybe... It's sort of like Scotty felt willing to make those comments that were not kind and reflected poorly on the organization because he no longer felt like he had to bite his tongue, no longer being employed by the Bulls. I'm glad he he at least gave Zach Levine a little bit of credit, even though it was sort of a side swipe anyway. Uh, I remember at that time, too, I was sort of angry at his comments I'm like how often is Scotty actually around this team and how often is he actually communicating with these players like granted some of the things he's saying and uh, about the actual roster if you're watching it day to day are true but in other senses I guess I had sort of in a disagreement with him talking about some of the young guys saying like those guys still have promise and chance and I know he had mentioned there even saying that he doesn't want to discredit any of those up and coming guys but uh, yeah it's I knew that there was something else to it. I'm like, there's no way Scotty would go out there and just publicly do this when it's here in the city of Chicago if there wasn't something else there. And Kali was the first one on it. And uh, again, it, it wasn't that big of a story either, which I find hard to believe that the guy that's numbers retired in your own building and was a crucial part in the greatest 10 years of Bulls basketball ever all of a sudden it was just quietly gone away. I would understand why the Bulls would want to do that. but uh, And I understand, I guess, why Scotty would just come out publicly and say this. This is what happened. Uh, I want it out there before any other stories kind of made of this. But yeah, Matt, I'm looking at the directory right now. Special advisors to the president and COO, Scotty Pippen, Tony Kukoc, and Horace Grant. So 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just got to do a little updating of that. Uh, but I wanted to go back in case you forgot what the comments were that he made on the jump. Here they are from Scotty during All-Star Weekend. These guys, I look out on the court. Scotty knows these guys personally. Half the time you look out there, do you know who the starting lineup's going to be? No, I do not. <laughs> I don't even know half the players on the team. Okay. We, <laughs> we, come on now. I mean, he's invested more than anybody in, in, in what happens in this franchise for the last 25 years. Yeah. I've watched... Every game this year, they can't, they can't, you cannot get to the eighth spot without help. I'm buying it, but I mean, I, those guys that he's talking about, I don't know if they start anywhere else. Right. Honestly. So, so I mean, I, I follow what you're saying, Mike, and I'm with Tracy. The Bulls starting lineup are not true starters in this league. Right. You know what I'm saying? They Just probably can't go to another starter team. you see? Yeah. You know, Zach, Yes. I don't even know half the players on the team. Okay. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. And then to follow up with this new audio that we've got, and again, this was recorded back like about almost two months ago. The fact that this was one more dig after, and hard to hear it from Scotty especially. I like to associate myself with winning. That sucks. Woo. Woo. Yeah. But he's, I mean, is that a harsh thing to say about – your recent former employer slash the team that you won six titles with? Yeah. Is it wrong in any way, shape, or form? Is it incorrect? No. It's true. He likes to associate with winners. The Bulls, at the time of his dismissal, not winners. <laughs> it's very, very true. Uh so yeah, Scotty Pippen out, and this isn't the first time that Scotty's been kind of in this ambassador, uh, special advisor role either. He originally was brought on in 2010, and then I think he was he was had a falling out, or there was just a relief of his duties back in like 2014. Then he jumped back on in 2017. So I don't know if this is the last time we'll see Scotty Pippen. Hopefully, the relationship isn't soured there either. It hopefully it's yeah. just hey, this is this is me saying what I think about your roster. Hopefully, things change and I come back and I actually can support a team uh, that's that that I've loved and that created a career for me. And I think it's important because, especially for for younger fans, you know, we talk about this a lot. You know, the generational gap and and where does where is your nostalgia and where do you feel the most of your nostalgia for a younger part of the fan base. It's the Derrick Rose Tibbs years for everybody else. It's the the dynasty in the nineties. Scotty and, and Horace and, and Tony, they are the connection that we have back to the old days that makes us feel good. That reminds us of when this team was at the top and Unfortunately, it seems, especially in the last few years, we don't see a whole lot of them. You know, they, they'll sit courtside for some games. They do some Bulls public events, some charity events, uh, and special appearances here and there. The part of the dynasty that the Bulls fan base has had to deal with, not gets to deal with, has been Paxson as a failing executive. And I think that is a problem for... A f- for a franchise that wants to so heavily rely on the good old days, right? We talk about that too. How much this organization profits off of the power of nostalgia. Globally, the power of nostalgia. Man, remember the 90s? Those were great times. Remember those six banners? 
still hanging. Those were great times. Give us money, please. And as much as we were sick of Paxson as executive, despite admiring and appreciating Paxson the player, and even Paxson the assistant coach, and even Paxson the broadcast guy, losing Scotty is another hard piece of we're losing all semblances of familiarity with the old days, man. Like you still got Stacy doing color commentary. So thankfully, you know, we got that. We got Bill Weddington, you know, doing radio for you guys over at 670. So we got that. But it's like we have no connection to MJ anymore as a fan base, as an organization, as the city of Chicago. Like when we all were sitting there watching that all star weekend, you know, video intro of all these amazing iconic Chicagoans talking over this amazing model landscape of the skyline of Chicago. And you saw MJ. I don't know about you, Jordan, but I was like, Oh my God, it's Michael Jordan talking about Chicago. It's very, very rare. It was shocking because like he is so far removed from this organization in this city. So true. It's, it's so true. And I'll speak from it from a, a fan that's, 26 and the the days of Michael Jordan and hearing him talk about when he actually played and actually getting those stories or reliving some of that it's far and few between it's very very far and few between and you can kind of understand that from the perspective of when things were over I was what probably seven or eight through my early teenage years it was sort of I don't know not a great relationship between the Bulls and Jordan and things I think have smoothed over since then. Uh, but Michael doesn't really talk all that much either. I mean, in general, he doesn't really speak out. And so I think this is a good opportunity for all of us to get to, to be able to hear from him. And um, the, the it's a blessing and a curse as a Bulls fan, I think, and especially a young one is a lot of times I associate the Jordan logo. You see the colors, which mostly are white, red, or black, or some combination of that. You immediately think of the Bulls. You see, you see the name Jordan or hear the Jordan, the, the name Jordan. It's usually associated with 23 red, black, and white. So that that is something the Bulls will always have, but it's always something that the Bulls can lean on. And we've seen for a long time over this past decade of Bulls basketball, a lot of ups and downs. It's something that was continuously sort of leaned on and given the benefit of the doubt. And we got to this point because fans got fed up and they, they stopped giving the Bulls the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think that's how we got to where we are. And even former players parts of the dynasty years who could in all honesty you know scotty could sit and collect a paycheck just like now paxson is going to sit and collect a paycheck you know go to a couple events you know wave shake some hands take some pictures and would probably make a decent penny doing something pretty simple and the fact that he was like nah, y'all gotta give me more money than what you're offering to do this job for this crap team right now speaks volumes and I think as the second most iconic bull of all time, I mean, you could debate that, but like, I'm, I'm not putting Sloan above Scotty. I'm not putting Bob Love above Scotty. I'm not putting Norm above Scott. Like, I'm, and I'm not putting Derek above Scotty. Scotty won six titles right next to MJ as an all NBA player, an all defensive team player, and an all star. He is the second most iconic bull of all time. No debate, in my opinion. And he 
now appears to have no tie to the organization, just like Michael Jordan has no tie to the organization. And that's sad. You know, like, yeah, and MJ's running his own team and not doing a very good job of it. So it's not like he can come around and, like, you know, be yucking it up, uh, you know, just hang out at the United Center every night. He's got bigger, more important things to do. But it just sucks because especially now that we have this fresh start and the the stigma of Gar is gone and John has stepped back and he's given up the reins to a, a new, well-respected global voice and a global brilliant mind of, of basketball. And we're all getting really excited for what the next step might be. It would be nice to have some of the glory day names attached to the organization for, oh, I don't know, pitching free agents. In this building. Ubicar <laughs> being out is a huge one. And I think that's a first step. And then also changing the basketball ops. And hopefully, maybe maybe with this new sense of, of restructuring and hopefully a, a new head coach, too, that can change things. And I was listening to Kendrick Perkins talk about that and whatever you want to think about Kendrick Perkins opinion is, but he said, you know, in terms of just the perspective and the mindset of a player and especially a player that's been on multiple winning teams, he said, you know, the front office can change. That's fine. But the day to day needs to change as well. And he said, if you bring the right coach in the mindset of every player in the league could change overnight. But he said, you don't bring in the right coach. You, you continue with Jim Boylan. You continue down this path of bringing in a guy. Maybe that's necessarily not, well-respected or well-liked or has a great resume, it could turn into the same thing of just kind of floating in mediocrity until you bring in the right person. So uh, I thought those were interesting comments too. And maybe that even goes for some of the old-time guys is, uh, as the Bulls try to restructure and say, hey, this is the new look. This is us in a new decade and we're trying to change things for the better. We want to bring your support back. I think support back comes with wins and, and with the play on the floor and, and not embarrassing yourself year after year after year and making silly mistakes. If the wins come and the players play the way they should and the players are developed the way they should, I think maybe some of those guys like MJ and Scotty come back. Probably not MJ because like you said, he's running the Hornets, but maybe Scotty comes back or some of those other guys. We saw Kirk Heinrich now get sort of involved. He's not listed as a Bulls uh, like on the Bulls staff necessarily, but he's I know he's been in talks and he's been doing some things with the Bulls, so he's been connected in some sort, so I don't know. Maybe wins just bring these guys back. I hope so. Um, and you know, while while we're on the topic of MJ Scotty and the dynasty guys' relationships with the organization, let's touch on MJ, who made an appearance on Good Morning America Thursday morning, uh, talking with Robin Roberts, who you know was like calling MJ highlights on SportsCenter back in the day. It's really cool to see those two conversing. Um, really enjoyed their their conversation and. And uh, Jordan, I don't know about you, but I've been really getting a kick out of this, you know, this trending topic on Twitter about how MJ's worried that people are going to like think he's an asshole when 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 they watch this documentary, The Last Dance, that debuts this Sunday night. And to me, it's pretty simple. It's like, well, yeah, duh. Like he was a comp- <laughs> he was a competitive asshole. Bulls fans, it was like he's our competitive asshole when we love him. And if you were a team, or if you were a fan of a team of you know, all, any of the many guys who Jordan prevented from winning, then he was a competitive asshole that you hated. And like, to me, it's just hilarious. Like, oh, MJ's worried that people are going to think he's an asshole that might not have known that already. Like, who doesn't know that already? Right. And I'm like, and maybe he, 
I would imagine he's already screened it. If it's all completely done, he's already watched it once over, right? And if he hasn't, then maybe that's where the anxiety comes from a little bit. But I would have to imagine, too, that he was heavily involved in the process of this. Because if he, and, and maybe he wasn't, and then maybe that's why he's worried. Uh, but maybe he's worried about some of the clips coming out or the way that the story is told about that season in particular. But. I mean, you don't win six championships and you don't rise to the level of stardom like MJ did without being an asshole once in a while. And I think that a lot of that comes from competitive drive and this insanity uh, of wanting to constantly win no matter what, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every single second, every single minute. And that is something that I think a lot of people talked about with Kobe, too, is just this insane mantra and personality of I'm going to get up at 3 a.m. and I'm going to have a routine from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed and do that every single day for 15, 20 years. Uh, it's what make it's what defines these guys as the greatest of all time. Um, I wanted you to hear it from him, though, him talking about or being asked about that 97, 98 series. And he said it was sort of a trying time. It's great that this series has been moved up. It was supposed to debut later, but people were just clamoring for for something to give them inspiration and hope. And this docuseries really does this. It chronicles that final championship run, that final time that together with the Bulls. Michael, what do you remember most about that final year? Well, it was a trying year. Uh, we all were trying to enjoy that year, knowing that it was coming to an end. Um, I was hoping that, you know, the beginning of the season, it, it basically started when uh, Jerry Krause told Phil that, you know, he can go 82-0 and 0 and we, we, he would never get the chance to come back. And, you know, knowing that I was, I've married myself to him, you know, obviously, and, and if he wasn't going to be a coach, then, you know, obviously I wasn't going to play. So Phil started off the year by saying this is the last dance, and, and we played it that way. You know, so mentally it just kind of it tugged at you throughout the course of the year, you know, but that this had to come to an end. But it also centered our focus to making sure we end it right. So, I mean, uh, as, as sad as it sounds at the beginning of the year, we try to rejoice and enjoy the year uh, and, and finish it off the right way. It's interesting perspective. And I think now that kind of teases us even more, Matt, about what's going to be in this documentary and how it's portrayed. Uh, over the next five weeks, I know somebody is is somebody that wasn't able to watch these games live and experience all of this live is going to be incredible for me because this is going to be the first time I hear a lot of the the baseline of the story put together of this final year. And obviously, it's going to be great for for fans like you who grew up during this era and remember it so fondly. You're going to get extra piece like Easter eggs essentially of information and stories and things you never knew about behind the scenes. And uh, I'm very curious to know more about why MJ thinks it was a trying time besides just the comment that he made about Krause and Jackson. Yeah. And I think um, we've heard Steve Kerr talk about that. You know, Steve Kerr is still very much a vocal member of the NBA, not just as the head coach of the Warriors, but somebody who's been around and been around a lot of winning Everybody wants to talk to Steve and graciously he offers up his time a lot. Um, and he is going to be heavily featured in this documentary, which I very much look forward to um, because Steve always talked about. And of course, he's always asked about the Bulls dynasty, which he was a part of three of six titles 
and this Warriors dynasty that he's coaching right now. Compare and contrast, differences, similarities, and the whole notion of could the Bulls have won eight straight thing, which, you know, Stevie didn't come on and come around until 93 or 94, um, but just the, that idea and knowing that, yeah, the, the Warriors, as good as they have been, they they haven't managed to do a three-peat. You know, they won in 15. They coughed up the 3-1 lead in 16. They won in 17 and 18. They couldn't get it done in 19. And Steve always talks about how mentally and emotionally, not to mention physically, draining it is to continue making those deep playoff runs, those deep playoff runs, another season, another 82 regular season grind, and that it's very challenging. And that's why, no, the Bulls would not have won eight straight. And that's why the Warriors couldn't manage to get a three-peat together thus far. It takes a lot out of you. And I think that that is something that Jordan was alluding to because this was, you know, not not to mention that they were all physically old and banged up. MJ was getting old. Scotty's getting old. His back was crapping out on him. Dennis was getting real old. Like Luke Longley was having health issues. Ron Harper was old and banged up. Like that entire squad, they were the oldest team in the NBA when they won it in 96. And then they won it two more times. That last year, like, thank God they won it, man, because it was such a perfect way to end the dynasty. But of course they were trying times. They were all old and beat up mentally and physically. It's a it's a, a great point. And, you know, you were talking about the on-court tasks, I guess, and the, the regimen that they went through for so many years, the 82-game schedule. But I even go even beyond that and think about all of the things that they were doing off the floor. MJ was the biggest star in the world at that time. And all the things he was probably pulled in a million different directions for uh, promotions, money to be made here, their appearances to go to, on top of having to worry about staying on top of his game and completing this dynasty. Uh, Not just him either. Rodman, you think about Scotty. You think about all of these guys pulled in a million, million different directions off the floor and having to deal with all of those storylines, too, on top of that. There's an amazing 15-minute video, Matt, on YouTube. It was created almost a year ago. It was by SB Nation. It's called How the Chicago Bulls Self-Destructed After Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson Left. Uh, It's made by the group called Collapse on SB Nation. If you're a young Bulls fan and want kind of a timeline 15-minute review, I highly suggest going back and listening to that because it it perfectly encapsulates everything that happened after that season and what happened to that Bulls team following the next two years. Uh, So kind of give you a little bit of perspective going into the documentary about that final season, everything that happened after it. uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I'll tweet it out for people so you'll be linked to it again. But even people that live through it, I think it's a good reminder and a refresher course uh, before this documentary gets released. But yeah, just think about the mental aspect of being drained night in and night out and then having to deal with a teammate who is so insane about being competitive in the way Michael Jordan was it was probably just for a lot of those other guys outside of MJ was just absolute insanity yeah you know that the level of competitiveness that was it wasn't just his opponents that hated him but a lot of days his teammates hated him because he you know he expected a certain level from them um 
uh, you know, of course, I'm sure we'll get more details about the the MJ and Steve fight from back in the day that we've heard so many, so many, uh, you know, rumors and um, and saga stories kind of about. Um, and I think like it was draining for all of them, a trying year, as MJ said, because I think they knew there's pressure to win because we all know this is it. If Jerry Krause is really that fed up with Phil Jackson that he says, you know, as MJ even said in, in the GMA interview Thursday morning, I don't care if you go 82 and 0, like this is it. You're you're done after this. And MJ married himself to Phil and said, I ain't playing for anybody other than Phil Jackson. Then that was it. If you couldn't keep Phil, you couldn't keep MJ. And if you can't keep MJ, the ride is over. So knowing those stipulations coming into the season. The, tre- the tremendous pressure to win that last one, coupled with players who want to live it up and enjoy this because they know it is the last ride. So you feel pressure to win. You got injuries and old breaking down bodies everywhere. And you're also partying it up because you are the Beatles. Right. You play basketball instead of playing instruments, but you're the fucking Beatles. And you know, even some of the things Scotty was saying on that podcast, um, you know, that started this conversation about uh, him being fired, but talking about some of the old day stuff, like they were smoking stogies and drinking on the plane, on road trips. They would, I mean, like they would go out and drink a lot, you know, show up uh, to to the game, drunk slash, you know, hungover. Scott, Scotty, you know, talking about Dennis being just impossible to wrangle. MJ having to go to Dennis's hotel room, wherever they were, to track him down, to get him to show up for shoot around or to get him to show up for the game. And it's just like a, a chaos, of, a mass of naked bodies everywhere. Like, they partied hard. And respect, because they partied hard and they won. But, I mean, imagine how exhausting that must have been. To party because you knew you could and also say, okay, work hard, party hard. But we better work hard because everyone's expecting us to win. This dude's partied, and I can only imagine the stories that are not being told, too. You're in an era, too, that social media wasn't around. The the start of the internet was just there. So the stories and the constant 24-7 monitoring wasn't around back then, too. So you could get away with more. You could get away with going out every single night. And that's something that I think is going to open up a lot of younger fans' eyes in terms of the way people defined a star even just 25 years ago Uh, the way that we looked at celebrity athletes and the way that they conducted their business and the way that they went out to be a star and have fun and do all of those things the way that guys party back then are, are completely different to the way that guys are popular and what they do now to consume themselves whether it be for the good or the bad it's going to open up a lot of and it's not even just necessarily the 25 to 30 year olds because we kind of have a little bit of taste of knowing what that is it's going to be the 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 Bulls fans that are 16 to 22 that don't really have an idea of what it's like outside of uh, the internet era so this is going to be a huge eye opener too and I hope there's a ton of stories of background about those guys partying in the nightlife that they had on the road because I'm sure it, it was it was unimaginable yeah, and even those of us who were paying attention back in the day, like you would tune into Sports Center every night, and you would tune into any local news to see what kind of footage they had of the Bulls that day, whether it was an off day, a practice day, you know, video of them around the Birdo Center, or them 
on a road trip, like any video, any quotes, any audio, you would ingest it because they were that popular and you wanted every bit and scrap of news and videos you could. But that's why I think everybody is so jacked up about this documentary is that even those of us who lived it and ingested every piece of news in a day when, as you said, Jordan, social media was a lot different and a lot less comprehensive. This is including never before seen footage of a camera crew that the Bulls granted access to, complete access to, for basically the entirety of that 97-98 season. It's wild. It's so wild. I'm so excited. That that promo, that the trailer that they released maybe two weeks ago with uh, Sirius in the background, I was, it, I had goosebumps all over my body watching that. And, you know, some of the people that were just interviewing that two-minute trailer just saying that these guys, like you had mentioned, they are the Beatles and they were superstars. They were rock stars of this era. And it just, it, it gives me goosebumps right now talking about it. I'm so excited to kind of watch this dive into it. And I think it's a relief for a lot of Bulls fans with what we're dealing with right now in present day where there's been a lot of disassociation with the team and there's been a lot of anger and just kind of apathy about what's going on with the organization since then. It'll give Bulls fans, I think, a, a, a good reminder of some of the best years and for a lot of the younger watchers, a lot of the younger fans of the NBA, an idea of how the games were played back then and sort of the, the life and the culture around teams and around one of the greatest teams of all time. So very, very, very excited for that. I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode today. Give us your opinions, though, on whether or not uh, you have any thoughts on the bizarre Scotty Pippen story that we had from earlier in the episode, or you just want to kind of react to Michael Jordan or what your your favorite moment is going to be leading up to the five the five-day 10-part documentary of The Last Dance. So you can do that at 331-979-1369. Drop your texts or your voicemails. You can put that uh, put that number in your phone, Locked on Bulls, 331-979-1369 in your contacts. You can throw us a text at 3 a.m. if you're out there working, still working the night shift, um, just bored and listening to us. You can drop us a voicemail or a text message. Shout out to all the new listeners out there, too. Thank you guys for hopping on board, whether you're somebody who just picked up the episode this we just picked up the show this week or you've been a loyal listener since day one since mac and i were here in 2017 we appreciate everybody out there listening and uh give us your feedback too on twitter at locked on bulls at jordan c Malley and at bulls underscore peck for matt peck i'm jordan Malley. bulls nation have a wonderful day be back tomorrow with a fresh episode for jordan and matt we are out deuces i got fired this year locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba hosts jordan Malley and matt peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.